0: Everybody, and thank you for joining us for another week of the Rec Poker podcast. I'm sitting in for Steve Fredland this week. Uh, my name is Jim Reed. And if you want to learn about me and other members on the wrecking crew, you can go to rec.poker/crew. Um, I am just one of the many amazing people here at Rec Poker. It takes a team, It takes a village. It takes a couple sponsors. Two of them are website AMP and the Running Aces hotel, racetrack and Casino. So now that we got that out of the way, Um, every week we're joined here by a special guest to this week. We've got sky Matsuhashi. And just before I throw to him to welcome him into the room, we're going to meet the rest of the panel panel. How are you today?
1: Good. I'm Chris Jones. I'm five by five on poker stars and Twitter.
0: And he's John Somsky and he's muted at the moment, but that's just part of his bit.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it takes a little longer when you have something so important to say, (laughs) kind of work your way into it. Anyway, I'm John Somsky, Poker Geek MN Everywhere, and I have a quote today from Jesse May. Poker is a combination of luck and skill. People think mastering the skill part is hard, but they're wrong. The trick to poker is mastering the luck.
0: Mm, couldn't have said it better myself. Man, if you can bottle that, let us know. Mastering the luck. I love it. So, we're going to start chatting with uh, Sky in just a second. But I told Steve that I had to promote this uh, Run Good series event that's happening in Council Bluffs, Iowa on June 22nd to 28th. There's going to be a rec poker house there. We're ramping up these rec poker road trips. So, there's somewhere to stay, there's somewhere to hang out with the rec poker crew and talk about poker, talk about bust outs, figure out how you could have played that hand a little differently, and have a lot of fun along the way. So, uh, keep your eyes tra- uh, peeled. You go to rec.poker slash road trips. And- And you can see that and some other fun stuff coming up but enough about that we are here to talk to the one the only sky matsuhashi sky thank you so much for joining us on the show this week
3: well thanks for having me i'm happy to be here
0: (laughs) well when chris jones told me that the, the theme of the month was going to be leaks and how to find them and how to plug them and how to exploit them i knew that this was the month we had to have sky back on the show um, when i when i was getting started with poker tracker 4 and huds and note tracker uh, sky was one of those great people on twitter who was really generous with his time we emailed back and forth a bunch of times he saved me all sorts of steps in my own poker learning journey and uh, you know we do so much free stuff here at Rec Poker, and Sky is just such a good compliment to that. He does so much free stuff. There's so many f- great free training videos out there um, on the Smart Poker Study YouTube channel, and I know you've got the Poker Forge, uh, the training site, which we're all really excited to be joining you on. Um, but really, the idea of leak busting and Poker Tracker Four and filters and reports and breaking people down in the lab—you know, like that's what gets the HUD nerds like me excited. So. Um, Can you just talk a little bit about how valuable it is to be able to study for leaks and whether it's in yourself or for other people?
3: Well, absolutely. It's the most valuable thing that you could do with your study time, or at least not the most valuable thing, but it's the thing that guides the rest of your study time. Once you realize that calling three bets is where you're losing all your money, now skip the C betting stuff, skip the open raising, skip the ISO raising, focus on calling three bets, make better calls, you cut out those losses. And I truly believe like just a, uh, just like in life, a penny saved is a penny earned. In poker, a big blind saved is a big blind earned 100%. So if you can find those leaky areas, then you know where to direct all your studies.
0: Yeah, uh, that, I love that because study time is really not an infinite resource for, particularly for recreational players. You know, a lot of us, we have real jobs, even finding time to play is difficult. So, um, so once we feel like we have the time to do that and we've got some time set aside, uh, w- what do you think is sort of like, a- as beginners, as people who are learning how to study this kind of thing, what should we be thinking about and what kind of tools can we use to help with that?
3: Uh, the number one tool. So, If you're a live player, your number one study tool would be like your mind. And you realize, I always have a difficulty in this spot, out of position, calling c-bets on ace high boards, whatever that spot might be. That's where you're going to direct your studies because you don't have, like for us online poker players, we have Poker Tracker 4 that tells us exactly where our issues lie. Assuming you know how to use the program. Live players, you got to use your intellect. Whatever the tough spots are, whatever the confusing spots, the things that... I just don't know what to do in this spot. You're always folding. You're always calling and losing chips. Either one of those, that's where you want to direct your studies. But for us, Poker Tracker 4, once you find that leak, the number one tool is Poker Tracker 4, right? You're playing hands on a site that allows, that saves hands to your database. And now you can go in. Not only can you find your leaks, but you could just review all your different hands. You can see uh, what happened in this hand where you lost 50 big blinds. How did I win 100 big blinds in this other hand? Dive into those hands. Poker Tracker 4 is the number one software. And then beyond that, for me, Flopzilla Pro is the number one equity calculating software. When you're reviewing hands, you enter in your you enter in your opponent's hand, your hand, see what the equity difference is. You enter in your in, you enter in your opponent's range, your hand, see how your hand plays against their entire range. Like those two programs for me, I use on a daily basis, not only for my own studies, but for all of my students as well.
1: Sky, one of the uh, things that I often hear from from rec maybe they've got poker tracker 4, they've installed it, um, they're excited to use it, they want to dedicate some study time, um, but then they kind of run into the like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of data here, there's a lot of things to look at. there's, I mean, you could dig into like, you know, what is your five bet calling range on, you know, paired board, you know, like you can do anything you want with this tool. So, with that sort of like, you know, ability to sort of be overwhelmed by it, where where do people start? Like, what is what is something that people should be looking at the most in terms of like, okay, this is what I want to be looking at when I'm first using this tool to like start to improve my game?
3: Yeah, the first thing you want to do is. What I would recommend if you're brand new to Poker Tracker 4, and you just started playing and you have a hand database of like 2,000 hands, there's not much to go through just yet to sift through. Look at your biggest losing hands, like where you lost 180 big blinds. So those can often point you in the right direction. When you lost 100 big blinds, you can review that hand because Poker Tracker 4 saves the exact data that happened. It's not like live poker where I think he bet 20 big blinds and then I called. No. In Poker Tracker 4, you see a, he, he bet exactly 22 big blinds. You check-raised to 44, he went all in, and you called on a draw. Whatever the case may be, right? You can analyze those big and medium losing hands to find where you think your mistakes lie. And then from that point, once you think, oh, man, I'm making terrible uh, 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 check-raises on the flop, you could do some studying, find some books, podcasts, training videos online for check-raising strategies, right? learn some strategies, then go back to your database, review those check-raising opportunities to see if this was a good one, that was a bad one. I should have done this. I I used a terrible sizing, whatever it might be once you do some study strategies. And then after that, after you do your study, review your database, find your mistakes, then you take it to the felt. And that's where you do, like you take action with what you learn. And that's the, that's what with all poker development or development in anything, right? Like taking action is the most important thing you're a basketball player, you're not going to improve your free throws if you never uh, shoot free throws, right? So that's what you got to do for poker. When you learn good strategies, when you find your mistakes, the next few times on the felt, you work to employ those strategies and avoid those mistakes.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I mean, I'm a poker tracker addict. Uh, Like I I think it's just such a huge, um, a huge advantage to anyone who's using it. And um, like when, when you are getting started, I remember for me, one of the helpful things was using the tags, so you could tag individual hands that came up. And I just had a tag that was just, I'm unsure what to do here, I just call it because you, you can program those in however you like, and it's just one that said live and unsure. And at the end of my session, I would just mark, I would just look for all the hands that had that tag, and I would have a chance to kind of just review the spots that I didn't feel like I was very comfortable. Um, and that, And that was really helpful. How do you now, because you have obviously you've played, you've got such a big database. Uh, how do you look at your own data when you're trying to study or find areas for you to work on? Um, or, or even just in the course of like weekly review as part of your play, how do you, how do you look at uh, your own stuff?
3: Yeah, I record my stats and my win rates uh, by running various filters. Well. First, the stats, the poker tracker board just shows you your stats for whatever time frame, however many hands you've played, how often you're voluntarily putting money in the pot, three betting, C betting, calling C bets, that stuff is right there. I track that on a weekly, more like a bi-weekly basis for me, because I don't play all that much anymore. Track that bi-weekly, and I can see how my stats are going up and down. And ideally, my studies and my focused play are are, uh, impacting my stats, right? Maybe for example, I know from the past one month of, of playing and tracking my stats, I'm not double barreling enough. I see bet on the flop 70%. I see bet on the turn 30%. Holy cow, I'm such a turn honest player. I've got to get that percentage up to get them closer because when you're turn honest and you don't double barrel, all your, opponent, all your opponents know, I'm gonna call him on the flop. As soon as he checks that turn, he doesn't have anything. I am betting and taking it down. So the goal is to not give my opponents that easy strategy. But instead, C-bet at 30, uh, on the flop, on the turn 70, bring those closer together. Let's imagine I did some studying, I'm playing with purpose, and now the next time I record my stats, my C-bet on the flop goes to 65, on the turn it goes to 55. Ah, I've made some good improvement there. Maybe not exactly where I want to be to where it's even, not that it has to be even, but at least I'm not as honest. So I don't have such uh, an easy exploit against me anymore. And so that's what I do. And to help the rec poker audience, um, I have my cash game tracker and my tournament tracker for anybody to download. All they have to do, all they have to do is go to smartpokerstudy.com/cash-game-statistical-tracker. I know it's long, but all one word: cash game statistical tracker, or smartpokerstudy.com/tournament-statistical-tracker, and they can download a word document that just shows them all the stats that I track, all the win weight and all the win rates that I track. And as you just start tracking them every other week, every five thousand hands, you'll start to see patterns, and you'll start to notice numbers, and say, "Wait a second, I'm too low here. I'm too high here. What should I do to correct those issues?"
0: I love that, and I think that's. I mean, even we talk about Poker Tracker for a lot, but even if you're playing live or if you're playing online, and you just don't want to invest a hundred dollars in Poker Tracker, just keep notes, just keep records, and, and just be honest with yourself, and, and track it honestly, because that's the that's the biggest help for anybody. The problem is we are unreliable narrators for our own play and our own success, and you need to be able to shine a light on it objectively and see uh, see where you're getting out of line. Um, I like the segue about cash games because rec, rec poker is a mostly uh, tournament based in a lot of our membership, um, but I, I grew up playing cash. I love cash, and I think in cash, that's where you really get a chance to exploit a particular opponents where you get to really take advantage of people with a large sample of set of hands, um, with deep stacks, you know, all the fun stuff about poker that we like. Uh, so what, how, when you're in a situation like that, when you're realize that you've got someone that's at the table with you often and you want to either lose less to them or win more from them, uh, how, how would you recommend someone approach that situation, uh, when you're here?
3: The thing you need to do is learn. Well, obviously, just like live poker, tournament, cash game, everything, you're always paying attention to their actions. So if the, this player who you play a ton with, if they limp a lot in fold to raises, you're going to iso-raise them and steal that limp in the blinds a ton. If they limp and then call a lot, maybe you won't iso-bluff like with ace-nine offsuit, but instead iso-raise them with a stronger hand because you know they're going to call. So I race with your ace, king, ace, queen, ace, jack, because they're going to call with all their weaker hands, and now you can exploit them post-flop. So utilize those reads based on their actions, what you know about the player, just in general. And the second thing is utilizing your HUD, your heads-up display. Now Poker Tracker 4 comes with a great default HUD. I sell my own smart HUD. You can find HUDs from just about any kind of coach out there, content creator and stuff. But you need to spend the time to learn your HUD. What does VPIC, what does PFR mean specifically? Now, what is the relationship between those two mean? How can I use those two stats to determine what kind of player I'm up against? And based on those stats, what kind of exploits can I just generally use against that kind of player? Because if somebody's a fish, like a 40 slash five player, they play 40% of hands, but they only raise five. You're exactly, I see you rubbing those hands, Jim. You love those players. Those are your targets at the table, 100%. But you're going to play against them differently than an 18, 17 player. 1817 super tight aggressive. He only plays 18% of hands most of the time. 17%, he's coming in for a raise. You're going to exploit him much differently than that loose passive fish.
0: Yeah, I love that. I always think about different exploits as sort of candidates that are available for you to use. They're different arrows in the quiver, and mm-hmm. you know you might have a few different kinds of arrows that you might use for different applications. <laughs> I'm kind of killing the metaphor here a little, but um, you know you you want to use the right tool for the job, and certain villains you want to use a different tool than you would on um, other villains. So I think that's just that's just how you should be approach, approaching poker. It's a series of spots, unique spots against unique villains. They all have a lot in common, and so we can develop some general rules to make life easier. But it's a problem-solving game. And that's why I and, love And that. I love
3: that metaphor. When you think about Hawkeye from the Avengers movies or even Rambo. you talking. Some yep. of those are explosive tips. Some yep. of those are grappler <laughs> tips. Some of them are, I don't know, just shoot through your opponent's shoot through five opponent's tips. So you're good. I like that metaphor. <laughs>
0: Uh, Chris, did you want to jump
3: in? Yeah,
1: no, I so, um, uh, you know a lot of this, both looking at our HUDs and both and looking at our own our own databases. Um, I've heard various sort of thoughts about the sample size, and I'm wondering if you can talk about like how much of this do we need to see before we can start making different judgments and start making decisions, or or running that exploit on somebody who's running 45, but we've only seen them for three hands. You know, like. What, how much of this do we need to compile before we can start acting on it?
3: I think you can, uh, well, it depends on the statistic, right? You still want to pay attention to your reads. If somebody's limping in and it's only been five hands against them but they've limped in four times, they're a fish. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. You only have a sample size of fish or of five. They are a fish though limping in that much, right? But when it comes to sample sizes, you really want to look at not your total number of hands but the number of opportunities within that one stat, right? So let's say three bet, for example, a three bet of, um, of 20%, whoa, that's hecka high. They're three betting me. I'm raising, they're re-raising 20% of the time, one out of every five. Well, I just said it. That 20% might only be one out of five, right? So that number 20% looks juicy. Looks like he's a three bet bluffer. I can come over the top with a four bet re-bluff on him. But it's only one out of five opportunities is not really telling yet, but 20%? Out of uh, 20, four out of 20, that's a little bit more. This guy likes the three bet. 20 out of 100, he loves the three bet right there. So the bigger that sample size, not your total number of hands that you have on the player, 100, 200 hands, you might have 200 hands on a player, but um, when it comes to like uh, 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 facing a C-bet, for example, they might have only, 200 hands on a player, they might have only faced a C-bet twice ever. And that might be because they hardly ever call pre-flop. If you don't call free flop you're never going to face C-bets, right? So you have to really look at that opportunities. That's the key thing right there. And and like I said earlier, pay attention to their exact actions. If somebody donk bets for one big blind and they also limped four times previously, guaranteed a fish once again, right? So pay attention to their exact actions and bet sizing can clue you in too. Oh, one thing also. Um, uh people don't often think about it but their their stack size matters when you're playing at a table and you have three players who buy in for 40 big blinds there's a really good chance those are recreational players maybe they know what they're doing maybe they study but buying it at 40 just shows that they don't really they're not trying to win as much as they can. They don't want to buy in for 100 to try to double up or, or take the other 100 big blind players stack. They're starting with 40 and they just want to double up to 80 or they just don't want to risk a lot of money. So that's a key thing. And no, There's no HUDs thinking about. Um, just think about your live poker games too. Somebody who buys in at a, at a, at a, at a one-two cash game for 40 bucks. Yeah, they, they're just a risk taker recreational player.
0: Yeah, so sample size is something that comes up a lot, um, especially in tournament play. Uh, you know, if we're playing MTTs, we're not going to be able to build the same size database on a lot of these players. And so, uh, like, I, <laughs> my I, the HUD I use is way too busy and comprehensive for a tournament play it's meant for cash uh these guys give me a hard time about it all the time uh but we we do have a rec poker head that's more geared towards like clear smaller easier to read um uh, it's more more you know you can click through and see more detail there like similarly to the way that you've designed yours um because because the key is to get a lot of information available just at a glance Mm -hmm. When, when it comes to tournament play specifically um, you know, the free flop hands stats are going to aggregate faster than the flop hands than the turn are there post flop stats. There's this real sort of divide, I feel, I think, in the poker industry, but how helpful are post flop stats in tournament play are there are there some that you think really jump out like seabed or fold to see or stuff like that.
3: Yes. Uh, for me because i strive for bread and butter poker Mm. and that's something i learned from tommy angelo in elements of poker bread and butter poker is you're the pre-flop raiser in position against one or two opponents uh that is the most profitable spot to be in just imagine you raise pre-flop the big blind call that's a bread and butter spot right he's got a weaker range because he just called You're whatever position you are but you open raise you have aces kings queens in your range he just called he doesn't have those hands right so have so many advantages in that spot and that's the spot i strive to be in so in my hud i really want to look at my opponent's fold to flop and fold to turn c bets because i strive to be the c better i want to see how often they're folding and i also want to see it in position versus out of position because some players are really quick to fold when out of position but when they're when they are in position they think to themselves he c bets i can call right now On the next street, he might check. As soon as he checks, I'm going to bet in position and take it down, right? So I want to see the difference between their in position and out of position. And I I agree with you. In tournaments, maybe somebody doesn't call a ton of C-bets, so they don't face a lot, so you don't get a big sample size. But your biggest targets at the table, the limpers, the callers, the fish, they face a ton of C-bets. In 50 hands on the player, their fold-to-C-bet stat will start to accumulate pretty darn quickly. And you can start to get a pretty good read on, um, you know, on how they respond to
0: CBETs. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's perfect. Um, we actually, I just want to take off something you mentioned earlier uh, about Flopzilla. Uh, such a great program. We, we do a monthly series called The Focus that Chris Jones leads us on, where we look at different parts of poker. Uh, we've been talking with, about Equilab and uh, PT4 and Flopzilla a lot recently what do you think is the best use of Flopsilla? Because one thing that we've had trouble with is we've got all these great tools out there and sometimes we're not we're not sure which is the best tool to use for the job. It's like the archery thing again, right? So um, we've got all these great specialized tools. What do you think is the best way to use Flopsilla? What's the best thing to use it for? How do we get the most out of it?
3: The best thing to use it for is hand reading and what that is, it's assigning your opponent a pre-flop range of hands, their entire range. They call the pre-flop. These are all the hands that fit their tendency to call, right? You pit your hand against them to see your hands equity, and then you enter the boards. And as the progression, this is something you do off the felt, studying away from the felt. Um, as the hand progresses through the streets, you narrow their range. So maybe they start a pre-flop with 30% of hands, but then based on their flop action, you can narrow them down to 20%. On the turn, narrow them down to 10%. And so that is the number one practice. Now, hand reading can be a bit complicated, difficult to learn. So before you learn that, the number one thing with, with Flopzilla is building your opponent's range every single time you, you play a hand with them pre-flop. So you tag the hand, like you said earlier, Jim, like you, uh, back in the day, you created an unsure hand, right, when you're unsure about the player. Well, that's perfect. The next day when you study, pull up those unsure hands. The first part of getting sure is understanding your opponent's ranges. So your opponent uh, 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 limped, you iso raised from the button to seven big blinds and they called you. That's kind of a weird, who, what kind of player limps and then calls for seven big blinds? Why not just raise three big blinds in the first place? What? So like you're training yourself by looking at those hands off the field and developing their range. You're training yourself to think about your opponent's range. So the next time you're up against them or a different player like them, you've already went through 20 of these hands where you built your limp callers' range. That's going to give you a pretty good idea on the felt against them next time, the kinds of hands this kind of player calls with. Now you're going to have a better idea once that flop hits, the turn of the river, how to potentially exploit that player.
0: Yeah. And as I'm fond of saying, practice makes better. And this is the kind of thing where it's just doing it more and more and more. You're not going to get perfect at it, but you're going to get better at it. And you're going to internalize it to the point where now when you're in the hand in, in real time, you've already kind of started putting them on that range at first. You're already kind of naturally reducing the combos as you go through the hand. And not only is that easier for you, but now you get to actually use the active part of your brain to think about other things in the hand that are even a little, you know, less tangible or maybe a little more uh, arcane or something that's less immediately obvious but might be really relevant maybe even later in the hand. So mm-hmm. the more we can practice this, uh the more it's going to become uh really like a secret weapon for us at the table.
3: 100%. And it develops that intuition that mm. I guarantee when you're playing 98% of your opponents don't do hand reading. Hand reading so now you have like a, a a really big edge against the majority of your opponents there because you've developed that intuition and the feeling for their ranges and how it interacts with boards. And like you said, you can make good decisions now, but also later on when the when this part, pot really starts to grow, you can make some really good decisions later on.
0: Yeah, and we talk about how, you know, bread and butter spots are important. We talk about how pre-flop hands, you see them all the time, whereas you only see river hands a little. so. Like this is one of those situations where hand reading is, is a really big tool is a really valuable tool every hand and not even the hands that you're playing, but the hands that you're observing at the table hand, read your opponents, see how their tells uh, emerge, um, pay attention at showdown and look back through the hand and see, you know, what can I learn about this player? And how can I, how can I make me a better hand ranging uh, expert in the future? Um, and so this is just one of those things that, it's so central to every hand of poker you're going to play. I, I mean, I, I do some poker coaching. I always tell my students, go or my clients, go check out uh, Smart, poker, Smart Poker Studies, uh, the YouTube channel, 66 Days in Hand Reading, because doing it that often, in that same way, having that process to, to count on, is something that's just going to become become natural to you. And I think, especially you know, nerds like us. We get kind of caught up in the oh, let's examine every branch of the decision tree, and let's have this like perfectly elegant, balanced strategy for every part of poker. But let's just stick to the really important stuff that we do every time, and just get really good at this fundamental stuff. And I mean, you called it a secret weapon, and I think it's absolutely true. It, it, I mean, it's not a secret, but it's a secret weapon because no one does the work yeah. to, to make it. So let let your desire, let your uh, you know, let your drive be your secret weapon and just brush up on this stuff. It's all publicly available. It's just you working on the lab with a buddy. If you like, it's fun. I mean, and I, I even, if you have a database, go back on some hands of your own from a year ago and click the yes. tab that says, uh, ex- what was say expose uh, play hero's uh, heroes, whole cards, tick that off so that you don't even know what cards you started the hand with. And it'll be from long enough ago that you don't remember. And hand range yourself. You know what your opening range was in that spot. See how that develops. For nice. sure. And if
3: you have a terrible hand memory like me, you can do three days ago. <laughs> <and you're> not <laughs> going to remember the hands either.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Mm-hmm. So, what are a couple? As people are getting more into this, and um, you know, they're using Poker Tracker for, they're using Flopzilla. They're trying to find some 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 low hanging fruit. You know, I think recreational players, we have some big strides we can we can make. Are there a couple? can you talk a little bit about like filters or reports or ways that people might be able to just you know to click a couple buttons and see something that illuminates their uh, their gaps like I really like for instance even to some of the built-in stuff like the hold' hand range visualizer um, or for cash players the uh, the leak tracker thing or the leak uh, note thing in there is is there a couple like real bread and butter studying spots I guess that you could share
3: absolutely there are the the I have a lot of one-on-one students and, uh, and they're, they're, they're four they're like top four leaks of most students. Not everybody, but most. And uh, this isn't in order. This is just order of me thinking about it. The first is calling two bets from the blinds. If you fold every big blind, your win rate would be negative 100. But if you run the filter for preflop, calling a two bet, hit OK, and then you see that in the big blind, your win rate is negative 220, you would have been better. Even every time you called with pocket jacks and tens and ace queen, you would have been better folding off or folding every single one of those calls. You'd be at negative 100 instead of negative 220 and you would have saved more than half of your costs there. That's the number one leak for everybody to check out first, not just the big blind, but small blind as well. Um, the, oh, so that's that's the filter. If you look at your stats, just pay attention to VPIP first. Um, if you have the poker tracker 4 report set up by position, you can see your VPIP on the button cut off and PDP throughout the various positions. If you look at VPIP and you see your VPIP in the small blind is 38%, but your VPIP on the button is 22%, there is really something wrong there. You're playing more hands out of the worst position than out of the best position that's a huge error. Now, if you notice that, and then you run the filter for calling two bets, I guarantee you're worse than negative fifty in the small blind and worse than hundred out of the big blind. Because you just can't help it. You're playing way too many hands. Guaranteed, you're not doing it as a three better, right? If you're v pipping that much, it's as a caller. So th- those are the first two things. Look at v pip, uh, call two bet. The third thing would be two bet, like you made the first raise pre flop. Maybe somebody limped and you raised over the top, folded to you, you raised first in. Either way, you made the two bet, and then you called a three bet. Too many players have win rates of, so if they raise first in uh, for three big blinds, if they folded every single time versus a three bet, their win rate would be negative out, 300 out of 100 hands, right? Three big blinds each time, fold them all, 100 hands, negative 300. But sometimes I have students come to me with a two bet, call three bet at negative 450, negative 600 big blinds. Holy cow. You're calling way too much. You're calling with hands that are super weak. You think all of your opponents are blocking with pocket fours and ace five. So you're calling with ace nine and pocket sixes. You want to set mine too much and it costs too much. So that's the third issue.
0: Uh-oh. I think we got a. So okay,
3: if you think about it, you're calling because you should have a good reason to call. Your opponent made a C bet. You think they're bluffing. You can bluff them later. You have a good price on a draw. You have a top pair. They're betting second pair like you're ahead of them. There should be a good reason to call. When you call C bets, your win rate should be positive in the long run because you're voluntarily putting money in as the caller. Like you should have a good reason. If you don't have a good reason for it, that means you're making bad calls and your win rate's going to be negative. That's the fourth. And I said four earlier, but there's the fifth one calling on the river and losing a ton of chips. I have students who call on rivers and they're, okay, there you go, Chris, and Jim too, okay. Um, You call on the river, your win rate when calling on the river, I'm sorry, your winning percentage when calling on the river might be 25%. So for every four calls you make, you win one, you're making some bad calls right there. But then when you filter for that, calling on the river and you see that it's negative 2,200 big blinds each time or per hundred hands, that means on average you're losing 22 big blinds every time you call on that river huge leak that people need to to fix but earlier jim you said that i can't remember what we were talking about exactly but you said those river spots don't often happen um and, and that's true those those calling on the river doesn't often happen that's why i mentioned all the pre-flop stuff first once you work on pre-flop stuff and really fix those areas that often fixes your post-flop stuff so just imagine You're calling rivers too much and you're losing a ton of money. If you call out of the small blind less, call out of the big blind less, you're going to be facing less C bets, less bets on the flop turn river. You're going to be hopefully in a better position when you get to rivers and face a bet. So work on pre-flop before post-flop. And those are the five things that you want to focus on right away if you're first time thinking about this stuff.
0: It's amazing how there's a knock-on effect with that kind of stuff, isn't it? And, and, and you know, the more we work on the uh, fo- the foundational stuff, the fundamentals, the pre-flop, it's amazing how, how, it's amazing how powerful the ripples are of just getting to the flop with a tighter range, with a stronger range. Just getting to the flop with a stronger range does wonders for all your post-flop stats because you're just less exploitable. You're making fewer mistakes. You know, you're proceeding with a stronger range. It's just, it's amazing. Um mm-hmm. So we got a question here from one of the members in the chat. Uh, as you know, Rec Poker uh, premium members are always welcome to come and join us here for the podcast recording and hang out with our celebrity guests like Sky Matsuhashi. So Roger says regarding number four, calling C bets post flop too much. Can you filter for when you are slow playing a strong hand? Yeah, that's interesting, uh, Sky. How do you filter some of those less uh, obvious ways of looking at hands?
3: What you can do, and it's 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 kind of complicated. But there is a hand strength or a made hands option within Poker Tracker 4. So you're going to go to the hands and enter in. for example, you could enter in top pair, right? Calling a C-bet on the flop, turn, or river, whichever street that you you think you're calling too much on. So first, look at your fold to flop C-bet, fold to turn, fold to river C-bet. If anything is below like 30%, you're probably calling way too much. Not 100%, but probably, right? That's an area to look into. So if you fold on the flop only, I don't know, 30 percent of the time, you probably should be folding more. Um, so you could filter for call flop seabed and then add to that filter, holding a top pair, holding two pair, holding trips, holding a straight. And you could see, but uh, you can do that. But what else, the other thing that you could do is simply look for call flop or filter for call flop seabed, look at the resulting hands, And you can see right there in the layout for Poker Tracker 4, you can see your hand strength and then the flop cards right there. You can tell whether or not you called with slow playing top pair, uh, second pair, or two pair, whatever it might be. And the general rule is, especially if, Roger, if you're a multi... uh, If you're a micro stakes player, do not slow play. Your stakes are full of fish. It's your job to get as much value as possible. So if you're just calling flops and turns with top pair and two pair, That's fine often for the flop, but at some point, unless that board gets ugly, you've got to be getting value while the game's good. And so raising or betting yourself is the key thing right there. And if you find yourself, and it happens to us all the time, we slow play something and they get there with a straight home or a flush on the turn or whatever it might be. And we just boned ourselves because we didn't bet for bigger value sooner in the hand when we should have, or when we had a great opportunity to get value.
0: So uh, we're sort of at the time that we said we'd hold you to, but um, can you tell us just a little bit about uh, the Poker Forge and what you've got going over uh, there right now?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And the Poker Forge I have, uh, it's a monthly or a quarterly uh, poker training website. I focus specifically uh, on cash games, online cash games. Uh, And there is plenty of good stuff in there for tournament players. As you can tell from everything I've said today, all of these exploits that you can use or people use against you in cash games, those are... Perfectly applicable for tournament play as well, right? I just don't teach specific like short stack stuff, ICM things for tournaments. So it's mainly micro stakes, online cash games. And I have nine different courses. I'm working on, I'm building the ninth course right now and that's called HUD Mastery. And that's where yeah. all of my Poker Forge members are gonna learn how, how to use the HUD to the max to exploit their opponents, to, to, to uh, plan future, plan on the flop for the turn, plan free flop for the flop turn river, all that kind of stuff. So that's my ninth course right there. And I absolutely love it. That's my baby, the Poker Forge. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad I did that. And I've got so many great students that are constantly leaving comments. We have a great Facebook community and everything.
1: Absolutely loving the Poker
0: Forge. That's great, man. And I know um, Andrew Feist, who's our Learning Partners uh, Director, he includes a, a 50, 10 to 15 minute clip of your material every month here at Rec Poker for our premium members to enjoy. I think the one this month was So I Missed the Flop, Now What? Uh, you've got just some really, really great training uh, videos out there. So thanks for sharing that with us and, and with our premium members. It's, you're a real resource to the poker communities, guys. So uh, we, thanks thanks for all you do. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much. And speaking of resource, I do have a resource for the rec community when it comes to learning Poker Tracker 4. So I created a new program recently, which I call Get More From Poker Tracker 4. Hmm. Nice and simple program. And it's three videos totaling 77 minutes to, uh, in total, and I go through all of the most important, most useful aspects of Poker Tracker 4 in those three videos, and if anybody wants the, wants a PDF with all the links and information, they just click on the link, watch the video, take notes, and not just take notes, it's, it's a whole do-as-you-consume program. The goal is you're watching it with Poker Tracker 4 open on the screen like uh, as you're watching it, um, you're clicking all the same buttons I'm clicking. You're getting to learn poker tracker 4 by actually doing the work while I'm doing it in the video. So if anybody wants that, all you got to do is go to smartpokerstudy.com PT4program. So letters, PT, number four, program, all one word right there. Totally free, three videos, 77 minutes. You'll love it.
0: What? Okay. I was going to ask people how much it cost, but uh, you're just giving it away. Okay, hold on. Say that URL one more time because now I'm going to write it down. I have to check.
3: Smartpokerstudy.com slash PT4 program.
0: Okay. You're going to get some questions from me, buddy.
3: Oh yeah. You just put it in there. Oh yeah. Cool. Yep.
0: Perfect. Okay. Sweet. All right. Well, Sky, thank you so much. We're going to take a, a little uh, ad break here and take care of some uh, community events on the other side. So we'll let you go. But um, it's always a pleasure, my friend, and uh, good luck with everything. And I hope we we'll see you again real soon.
3: Perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jim, Chris, and John. I appreciate and everyone else in the chat. Thank you very much. I'll catch Thanks, you guy. later. All
0: right, see you. All right. Well, let's uh, hear what Jonathan Little has to say, and then we'll uh, jump right back on here. Any moment, I promise. That's what we're going to do. We're going to hear from Jonathan Little. Have you ever wondered
3: whether you should call a preflop raise or 3-bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it? Or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour Champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes, where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess, and don't stress. Just register for your free account at pokercoaching.com slash recpoker
2: right now.
0: Oh, man, Steve makes this look so easy. I sit in for him for one week. I've already screwed up two audio cues. Where's Ben Enslow when you need him? Oh, God almighty. He'd be raking in the dough tonight. Well, that was a fun one, wasn't it, gang? Yeah, for sure. absolutely love talking huds
2: with this guy yeah i think i'm gonna really have to go through that uh program he's got there Mm i it's one of those things where i've heard people talk about so i've had a hud back in you know 2004 ran a hud for several years till about 2011 2012 um but i never got into doing a lot with it I mean, it would double check. I double check my win rates with it and things like that. But I didn't really use the HUD effectively, or you know, anything like that. So conceptually, I understand what they can do for you. I have not achieved much of the benefit. Uh, I have purchased <laughs> them and maintained them, so I have kind of all of the pain, none of the gain. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that, that's how I am wont to do. It seems sometimes. So you just love uh, the struggle, John. You love yeah. the journey. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something that I definitely need to do. Get more familiar with it, get used to clicking on things, even so that then I can come back later and say, okay, I knew no this was possible before. How do I do that again? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it's such a powerful tool. There's a lot to get out of it.
1: Yeah. And even like just this just this month, you know, I I I use it all the time, but just even this month preparing for some of the the seminar stuff that we did and some of the content there, I was just digging into some other things. I was like, Oh, I found, I found,
2: <laughs> I found a few
1: little nuggets that I uh, have been really trying to work on. Um, mm. And um, where, you know, you can, you can really find some sort of glaring if you're willing to like, look yourself in the mirror, you can find mm. some glaring holes in your game.
0: Um, that's and, that's a big part of it, Chris. You're saying yeah. it. you gotta be, yeah. you gotta be brave. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, but it's it's all there, and there's no hiding from it. It's yeah. the choices you made and the, the the ways you played hands, and you know, <laughs> they went how they went. But
0: yeah, well, there's something like like we said before. It's just it's extremely valuable just to be able to track your own results accurately, your own frequencies. You know, um, to cast a light on yourself objectively. I think that's that's really valuable. And if if people don't have poker uh, blah, 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 poker tracker four yet. You can go to rec.poker resources. There's a link there. And if you use that to buy Poker Tracker 4, they help us out. Um, it's one of the ways we help keep the lights on here at our mostly free community at Rec Poker. Um, and we're, we'd be so appreciative that I'd actually email you our Rec Poker HUD for free um, as a way of saying thanks. So if anyone doesn't have Poker Tracker 4 and is thinking about it, go and check that out. And we do have some training videos up, um, like rec.poker gym There's a couple of videos there about uh, Poker Tracker and how to use it. Um, I do a monthly group coaching session using PokerTracker, Jim's PokerTracker4 review group that everyone, all the premium members are welcome to join. Um, but we don't really have a, uh, this kind of video. So um, if Sky's already done and made a, the perfect version of it, maybe we'll just keep referring people to smartpokerstudy.com for that kind of stuff because uh, we can't, uh, can't improve on, on a lot of that stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll check that out. So... As Steve is fond of saying, what's going on in Memberland?
2: Well, we have, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but <laughs> every month, every week, rather, we play like 10 different home games. So <laughs> if you want, I could run through some of the winners of those. Oh, why not? Okay. Why not? Well, first we had our mixed game championship series and none other than McVean, Chad McVean won our limit hold'em
0: event. Oh, one of the great ones. Good for you,
2: Chad. And this was not enough to uh, get him into first place, but he is officially in second place. So right now we have two Canadians. Uh Uh-oh patty 98 and McVean as mm. number one and two in mixed games mm. so mm. I, i'm calling on all the americans to get out there and show that we can play mixed games too
0: and i'll tell you something those guys are buddies it's not like everyone in canada knows each other but uh those guys are buds they actually they get along they play poker uh even not in the rec poker home game if you can believe it uh, so that's great i love to see that maple syrup up top way to go chad and
2: uh, Patty, you two, way to keep it, keep it. Bright. Well, all I'm saying is, I may forget to schedule the next mixed game <laughs> next month if we don't, you know, pick up the pace here a little. Bit. That's right, challenge, challenge. We're throwing the gauntlet down on the battle, uh, the border battle. And then, we of course, we had another silver pin winner oh with the daily series tournament of champions, none other than Captain Walleye Rob Ansem wow. on his very first. Tournament the captain
1: gets the silver elusive yep. silver pin well Good done, Rob. You. i'm well still done, waiting Bob.
2: for mine i, I believe <laughs> of the three of us only one of them has an asterisk tarnished <laughs> yeah. silver pin yeah. oh yeah we're, we're in, in the wrong I even tonight. I should be I this. <laughs> at this point i'd take an asterisk tarnished
1: <laughs> silver pin
2: <laughs> well true uh, it, It is questionable, so is an asterisk tarnished silver pin better or no silver pin? (laughs) Oh, Uh, I I
0: wake myself up in the morning every day in a cold sweat wondering that. I'll tell you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, on to our daily series. Uh, For nightly events, MN Ted, Philip Fuhrer got his third for the year. Well done, Phil. Better man Rob Gracioso got his first nightly win nice keck geek 65 jacob kiki got his fifth for the year 14th lifetime
0: welcome awesome. back jacob was pretty excited i saw him tweeting out on twitter that the the streak was over he was on a cold uh, he was on a cold streak for a while but i'm sure we'll be seeing his name a little more often around here i don't know i kind of liked having
2: some other names <laughs> yeah <occasionally>. me too <laughs> but, <laughs> but good job congratulations glass jaw 2222 two, two. Mm uh david shun got his third nightly victory for the year yeah i've seen his name coming up there more and more congratulations david and benmar elizabeth barrett bennett martin got her third nightly victory for the year. awesome another canadian i'm just saying taking over taking over and then for the daily series mixed practice event poker geek mn john sonsky got his first for the year i know that guy i know that guy
0: Wow. Celebrity
2: appearance. Well, that was even in Badoogie, which is one of my favorite (laughs) mixed games, too. So I think it it really helped that it was clear through the first couple of levels that some people did not understand the rules. You know, they'd have the pair or they'd have the flush and they'd not realize. So just to level the playing field out there, what you want is four cards, no pairs, no doubled suits. So ace through four, four suited, is the best possible hand. There you go. Yeah.
1: To be fair, Badoogie is the poker game that sounds the most made up to me from its name, <laughs> from its title to its yeah. playing structure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just, it does feel like of the mixed games. It's like, wow, we, what is, what is this? What is
2: this? Yeah, it's the it most is alien to me. It is poker like. But given that you don't actually use poker hand rankings at all, although, you know, you can argue Raz doesn't really use much of poker hand rankings either. So um, anyway. I'm glad we've got, I'm glad we got
0: one of these mixed practice games every Saturday. Cause that that's a good point, man. Cause when we were just having the second Wednesday of every month. And that was the only time we got to play these games. It was fun to go in cold completely. Not knowing how to play the game, but I think this is probably better for
2: the game and for the players to have a few weeks of just absolutely. trying it out first. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, notice I'm not putting an asterisk by my window, <laughs> even though my opponents didn't know. <laughs> I might be a bit of a hypocrite. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, So for international events, East Coast Bitter Ben. Oh, there's Ben. There's
0: Ben Anslow. International
2: for the year. He was due. And um, M. Babker, Michael Babker, got his first international victory. Beautiful. And last but not least, LPP Sunday event. Wow. Colin Anderson. No, wow. Way. Loves 10, 10 goes back to back. That's yeah. Did not he win it last? He won it last week? He wow. did. Yes, he
0: did. He did. He did. Wow. And, and I got it. Te- not only did he win it last week, but he told us that he wanted us to give that prize away.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and, and he LPP would have credited him his payment for that month. But he said, no, no, no. Give that prize to someone else at rec poker who doesn't have it. I want them to uh, feel what it's like to have a month of Learn Pro Poker membership. And that good karma catapulted him to a back-to-back win uh, just yesterday. So he actually texted me earlier today um, and said basically that, you know, the karma was there. Uh, he wanted to put that that month up uh, again. So we're going to find a way over the next little while
1: well, to mean, spread the just, Colin
2: Anderson It's love. just
1: going to be Colin Anderson spreading out <laughs> memberships all over the yeah. land. <laughs>
2: soon we're going to just have to force him to take it so that he doesn't keep winning (laughs) yeah we got to break this train up at one point right
0: (laughs) so if anyone has any i mean we're not in a rush to do it um but colin is just being such a generous great sport about this i want to take advantage of it so um if anyone has any ideas for some fun ways that we could give these awards away these prizes away it's a free month to learn pro poker um so it's worth 35 or 40 bucks or something like that depending on how you sign up if you sign up by going to rec.poker slash resources you get a little. Account, just letting you know um so yeah email me jim at poker or tweet me um at Holdem underscore stealers and uh let me know if there's a fun way we can give these out and uh introduce some people to lpp because it is a great training site and we love being partners with them uh all right sweet thanks john we did pretty well with that one yeah <laughs> And, well, I didn't uh, get
2: interrupted by Steve a single time there. I, we could get used to
0: that. We could get used to it. So, Chris, talk about um, the seminar and uh, the focus, and what else is exciting in uh, Memberland.
1: Yeah, well, so it's it's we're gearing up uh, next week. We're going to be recording our first ever new format for the seminar. Uh, we're going to be talking about satellites. Uh, people are going to get to play while there's commentary. We're going to talk about it after the fact. We're going to debrief. Uh, probably some things will go wrong, <laughs> but it's going to be fun, and I'm super excited about the format uh, as we kind of grow into this. And we'll keep uh, as we as we get it going. You know, we'll probably show a little bit of a sample at some points, so people can see it, even non-members. Um, but I think it's going to be super exciting, um, and uh, I'm really excited about it. And then in the focus, uh, we're really we're really trying to to narrow in on. Um, some of the tools like the ones we talked about today, um, particularly, uh, taking our first steps, Some people are really curious about using the tool of GTO plus solvers. How, how do you even approach them? Uh, and so the next time, uh, we're meeting, we're going to actually go through some of it live, uh, and build some stuff live. Uh, one of the reasons I don't love to do that is, um, It takes so long.
2: Mm. But
1: what I realized was uh, this uh, never occurred to me earlier. What I realized is that the results aren't as matter matter as much as the process. So we're just going to set the error rate or the whatever that the rate is where you can like, it's going to be wildly off. I'm going (laughs) to, so it's going to be like 25, 30% or something. So it's just like, this is not going to be an accurate depiction, but we're going to go through how do we set it up? Uh, And I think that'll be really useful. And so that'll be our next focus conversation. That's
0: great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because we do um, we do have a couple of rules. Like I try and not ever do math live <laughs> on the air or in our sessions. We try never to like learn how to do something in, in a new filter or something live on the air because it's just terrible. It's terrible podcasting. It's terrible yeah. video. Um, but some of this stuff, it, it is that like the struggle of doing the thing is what we're trying to capture. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I think just being able to see it happen in real time and being able to be in the Zoom webinar with you in real time and to say, hey, Chris, can you just like, what if you did this instead? Or, mm-hmm. you know, how, what does that button do? Um, that's one of the things that's really valuable for me to learn. Um, mm-hmm. So that's for any premium members. That's one of the perks. Uh, you can come and join Chris uh, once a month uh, in the focus. We do the seminar once a month. Um, On Saturdays, I host a study group that uh, picks up where Chris left off, and we talk about some of that material. And then we also talk about uh, Learn Pro Poker and some of their training material uh, in another one of those study groups. Let me see.
2: Um, You know, uh, what I thought I heard you just say was that in general, we try not to say things when we don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) And my conclusion to that (laughs) is, I have been talking way too much during these podcasts. Too rough. (laughs) Way. Uh.
0: Actually, that's funny, John, because we we're, we're making some changes to the website and to the forum and things like that. And one of the things that came out of our our conversation internally was, we we should be sharing when we're unsure. We should be sharing when we don't have the answers. And like, how can anyone ever learn? if they're only ever talking about things that they are sure about or that they already have the answers to, you know, part of what makes rec poker special is that we're here to be wrong. We, you know, being wrong is an opportunity to have people who you like and respect, you know, bring you closer to truth. Um, And, you know, we talked last week about the book study uh, where we were, had some disagreement about, you know, how, how to apply a certain formula or something. And it's just, you know, rec poker is a place where a disagreement doesn't have to be an argument. And so, you know, being vulnerable, sharing when you're not sure. Uh, That's what it's all about. I'm still not going to do math live on the podcast, um, but maybe that's more (laughs) of an ego thing. (laughs) Wise. Wise. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this podcast comes out on Tuesday every week. If you're listening to this that day um, or the next day, on Wednesday, uh, the 26th, we'll be doing our online review and hang. And this is one of the things that, um, you know, we do a lot of things for community members for free. We do a lot of things for our premium members. This is one of those in-between things where we're going to be reviewing the final table of last month's Tournament of Champion hand by hand, going all the way through it and analyzing it and talking about it with everyone who is at the final table. So whether you were a premium member or not, um, if you're just a community member, if you're just in the home games playing and you're in the final table, um, you'll get a message from me saying, hey, come join us uh, with the premium members in the panel and let's talk about your play. Let's go through every hand, every street. And uh, we have a lot of fun with that. Sometimes it takes a few hours, <laughs> but we have a good time. So you can check that out at uh, rec.poker events. And if you have any questions, of course, you can always just email me, Jim, at rec.poker. Well, what else should we talk about, folks? I feel like uh, we hit the high notes. I know there's so many cool things going on. We could just keep this rolling. But uh, coming up on an hour, let's send our audience home with their ears. What do you say? Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me, too. Well, I'd like to thank Roger and Martha and Kim in the panel, in the chat. I'd like to thank Chris and John, of course. Sky Masuhashi for coming and sharing his stuff. And Steve Fredland, who can't be here. But I'll see all you all again soon, I hope.